Welcome to Office Hours with EAB. Today, EAB's Tom Sugar talks to Dr. Paula Short from the University of Houston about how they worked together to launch the Houston GPS initiative several years ago, as well as their more recent collaboration on EAB's new Moonshot for Equity. They'll share tips on how individual institutions can begin narrowing equity gaps and how entire regions can work together to improve transfer pathways and raise graduation rates. Thanks again for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Office Hours with EAB. I'm Tom Sugar, Vice President for Partnerships, and I've got a great story to tell. So bear with me uh, and I'll walk you to a pivotal moment with our guest today. It was six, seven years ago, I was the Senior Vice President at Complete College America and a dear friend of mine and a true leader in the earliest stages of the college completion movement called me up and she said, you know what? I am now the new provost and vice chancellor at the University of Houston's main campus. And I just love that guided pathway stuff that you guys are doing. Why don't you come down here and help us put that into place? And of course, that's just like her. Uh, seeing the, the best, newest work, uh, the next wave uh, to advance student success. And it broke my heart when I had to tell her no. I had to tell her no, not because her, her request wasn't a worthy one, but because our funders at Complete College America insisted that we work at scale. And that always meant working with entire states. But I got to thinking, Houston is the fourth largest city in America. Some people argue the most diverse. And I said to my friend, you know what? I don't want to say no, we don't want to say no. We want to say, how about this? And for the first time, we put together in one document uh, all that we knew to that point about what was absolutely essential for student success. And I said to my friend, if you will look this over, give me feedback, help me write this thing, and then invite leaders from all the institutions across Houston to come together and challenge them to accept this all-in approach, that scale, we can do it. And it was no surprise to me at all that she said, absolutely, it's the right thing to do. Let me fast forward then quickly before I introduce our guest to say how that all sort of wrapped up. She invited presidents and chancellors, entire teams from all the public institutions across Houston to come to the University of Houston's main campus for a two-day meeting. And when it was all over, at the end of the meeting, we laid down a challenge. We said, the memorandum understanding is clear. It requires you all to work collabor collaboratively, consecutively, simultaneously on these key issues together. It requires you to think beyond ordinary articulation agreements, to arranging your courses and aligning your degree maps to truly create a seamless ecosystem of higher education for your students. Please take these back to the campus, as I said. Talk it over with your staffs and then come back within 60 days and let us know if you're in or out. 
and I sat down. And then our guest stood up and she said, I don't need 60 days, Tom. The University of Houston is in right now. Who else is with us? That, that person, our guest today, is the Provost and Vice Chancellor of the University of Houston, Paula Short. And I cannot tell you, Paula, how delighted I am to have you with us here on EAB Office Hours. So please tell me, what was going through your mind in that moment? Do you remember standing up and laying down that challenge? Yes, Tom, I do. I remember thinking, uh, I'm going to lock the door and not let them leave <laughs> until they all agree. So that was going through my mind. This is too enormous an opportunity. There are over 300,000 students in our community colleges and universities in Houston. What are we thinking if we walk away without a commitment? So Tom knows that as he was there, I went from table to table <laughs> where each university or community college team uh, was sitting and had been through this uh, exercise, this two days, and I pointed my finger at the either the chancellor or the chief academic officer representing that institution. And to each one, I said, are you in? And I wouldn't move until they said yes. <laughs> so they got real nervous. <laughs> but anyway, I went from table to table until all said Yes, and so we knew we were moving forward at that point. So such a there was no turning back, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll unpack in a moment for our listeners all that's been achieved since then. But I remember, Paula, uh, that I think we began Houston GPS with six or seven institutions and have 14 now. Is that correct? We, we do. We started with seven, and uh, the interesting thing is those 14 now they represent institutions that came to us and heard about the work that we were doing, the completion work we were doing, and they asked to be a part of it. And so that's what's really gratifying. Uh, these are community colleges and universities, uh, some of which are not under the same governing board, so they don't operate under the same governance uh, system. And to be able to get all of that agreement to work together with those kinds of governance issues, and uh, they had not worked in a partnership like that before. Uh, it was quite, uh, quite a step forward. Uh, and what we've learned is that it doesn't always take being under the same governance board. It takes dedication and a commitment and a belief that students deserve this kind of work, uh, that the goals outweigh any of the other struggles that we might have to get board approval for this or that. And so it, it, it really, it's, it's an incredible um, thing because of that fact and also the fact that some of these institutions have never partnered uh, with particularly the University of Houston. Yeah. And I would say that the fact the University of Houston uh, stepped up to move this forward was very significant when the flagship or the tier one university, research university in a, in a city or in a system or in an area, in a region, because we consider ourselves a regional uh, Houston GPS, when they step up and say, we will change because we're often viewed as unwilling to be flexible and unwilling to work with other institutions. When we said, 
when someone said, well, I don't know if this will work because we are never able to get our students who transfer in your engineering programs to have these particular courses count. And I said to them, they will now. That was so extraordinary. You're absolutely right. And, and we, as we have conversations all around the country uh, with our Moonshot for Equity, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, it's always the case that you know, that key uh, four-year institution standing up and, and, and ex ex exemplifying that kind of leadership, it signals to everybody, and I, I mean no disrespect, Paula, but in many places, it's sort of like the, the big research one has often been sort of the, the difficult actor on the block, right? Uh, unwilling to make the changes necessary to really create the student success pathways that we need across regions. When they stand up, when you stood up and said, we will make those ch changes, we will make those tough choices, we are with you. And then you followed up on it, Paula, by aligning mathematics to majors, not just at your institution or your system, but across the entire Houston area as your first accomplishment in Houston GPS. Can you tell that story about how your mathematicians got involved in that? Well, that was very important because that was an early win. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was uh, actually, the team was led by a uh, University of Houston math department chair. Right. So uh, that was very significant, very symbolic of our willingness uh, to change. And it also showed that we could do it because mm -hmm. there were other there are other uh, integrated uh, strategies, research based from uh, uh, the game changer that we were implementing. And they they saw that it can be done. And I think that gave a lot of um enthusiasm and a lot of synergy towards working together to implement the other the other strategies. And I'll also say um, that one of the main one of the big things we also did, and I give credit to Tom Sugar for this, <laughs> which was we decided early on we wanted a written commitment, a memorandum of understanding signed by all of the chancellors and presidents of our partner institutions. And that MOU listed those integrated strategies for completion. And they had to understand that and be willing to do what it takes to implement those uh, to sign their name on that document. And so we have that and we've used that. We have said <laughs> to a, uh, a person at an institution, your president agreed to this. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, those leverages are, are very important, but it also are very symbolic of the institution's commitment. Thanks for your compliment. And that, that was great, Tom. Well, I was I was proud to draft it, but you were the leader who said, yes, we agree to this and we will lead the charge on it. And so like all things, you know, teamwork makes the dream work, right? And absolutely. Our collaboration has been a wonderful thing. I'm glad you brought the MOU up, Paula, because when I break down sort of the essential elements uh, to be able to replicate uh, ecosystem structures like this around the country. As I said, the, the, re the leadership of the Big Research One uh, flagship institution was critical. I think the MOU was too, because it, it, it signaled a real intentionality about the work. Uh, it wasn't sort of just, you know, flowery rhetoric and, and hopes and dreams. It was hard, measurable work uh, that was clearly laid out that, that had to be agreed to at the highest levels in order to to proceed with it. And I, I, there have been a couple of times where, as you suggested, people felt like they were getting a little bit off course and then you're able to pull that MOU out and go, wait a second now, <laughs> we know where we're going. <laughs> this is what you agreed to. This is what your president agreed to. So 
Yes, that's that's a very powerful thing that we did. That would be a lesson to others as they think about bringing institutions together. Right. Uh, and, and it is that top level commitment. I know that our president, President Renu Couture, uh, at the very fir- end of the very first two-day gathering, invited right. all her fellow chancellors and presidents and Tom Sugar and Stan Jones to join everyone for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also was uh, important for the other chancellors and presidents to see uh, our president uh, in a leadership role saying, this is important. And, and, and to be able to talk about her vision for the university and for the region. That was very powerful also. You has been a wonderful partner every step of the way. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned her, it's absolutely true. You know, when I think back on how far we've come, uh, you know, we're, you were the first, uh, as far as I know, uh, to ever create an ecosystem of this size around a central idea, uh, a, a sort of motivating memorandum understanding. Uh, and so, you know, like everything, when you break new ground, there are lessons learned along the way. And uh, we certainly tried to apply some of those lessons to the design of the moonshot, which you also helped design. Um, but as you reflect on it now, Paula, if we were starting all over again, is there anything you would do differently now? Well, I am pleased that, um, and following following the basic tenets that we know from um, uh, implementation, how important implementation mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. any idea can can run amok mm-hmm. if your plan to implement is not a good, thorough, well thought out plan. And I think the fact that we planned well um, going in. I, I, like, I like to move quickly. <laughs> and so, you know, spending a long time planning is just not in my DNA. So I learned very quickly through this, the importance of that for something this uh, deeply into the culture uh, of an institution of higher education and also with the partnerships uh, that, we, that we planned well, we put um, structures in place, uh, we, we knew people had to, to learn and know what uh, 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 in, in, uh, intrusive advising and plan choice was. We know, knew that they need to know what that looked like. We knew they needed to know what, uh, you know, uh, the redesign of remedial education looked like. We knew they needed to know what, you know, these math pathways align with the curriculum looked like. So we, we planned really excellent uh, uh, convenings, uh, which uh, is a model that CCA has used. We held symposia, we held policy uh, institutes. I mean, we knew policy needed to change. So we, we planned to educate people well and engage them in their own planning for their own institution. Mm-hmm. And we did that across the institutions. So I think the task force uh, idea, the, the institutional team idea, and definitely one of the things we learned quickly is you must have a chief cheerleader yep. on each of your campuses. Mm-hmm. There is the banner uh, who will rally the troops. Uh, there, you, know, you can't say enough about energy and enthusiasm towards an idea because we all get lost in the day-to-day, whatever it is. We were hired to do to begin with. And so I think that that really quality um, structure with um, uh, symposia and content experts and 
opportunities for the for each campus to see how that made sense to them and to audit their own efforts in that regard. How much were they doing or not doing uh, in terms of uh, intrusive advising? That, that led to the strategies. Yeah. That led to how do we do it and then how do we measure it? And that's I right. That's, and you've got to show people the right direction to go in, but you also got to give them the technical assistance to know how to do the work. Right. And and, you know, Paul, that wasn't enough for you, which is so classic for you. Uh, you've now become a national advisor, uh, key mentor uh, with Georgia State. And we were delighted to have Tim Rennick on our podcast oh, yeah. recently. Uh, but you both are uh, joined forces to support uh, EAB's new Moonshot for Equity initiative. Uh, and we're so appreciative of that. For our listeners who don't know about the Moonshot, let me spend one moment. Uh, you know, the, this, the wonderful stuff that uh, Paul has been talking about with regard to the design of Houston GPS has really served as the inspiration for sort of the next giant leap in our country. Uh, I would unpack uh, uh, the sort of essential elements that Paula and Tim Rennick uh, represent, uh, the, the, the key things that one must have in order to replicate their success into three key buckets. Number one, you have to have uniquely committed leaders who know how to manage change and sustain change. You have to collaboratively and simultaneously across an entire region implement the best practices and policies that we have, have been shown to be absolutely necessary through evidence and research to boost student success. And you have to do those things simultaneously and collaboratively because they're synergistic with one another. For example, if you're doing remediation reform, but you don't align mathematics to majors, you're gonna fall short. And thirdly, you have to have technology to do the proactive advising that you referred to, Paula, to allow you to put students on highly structured degree maps and monitor their progress, uh, to create stronger communities of care and support around these students, especially the students most left behind. And you have all of those things and more, but you also today have to do one more big thing you have to put all of that work now in the framework of equity-mindedness, right? We now know the elimination of equity gaps is possible, and so we must aim higher. We must decide that that is our new measure of success for the college completion movement. And Paula, you just did that. Uh, in advance of becoming a national advisor to the Moonshot for Equity, uh, you created and, uh, and laid down a unified goal among the entire Houston GPS. For the first time, you said, you may all have your own individual goals, but we now all have to share this one, that before this decade is out, we are going to work with all we've got to eliminate equity gaps uh, across the Houston GPS uh, consortium. What was that conversation like, that, that moment of challenge to your fellow leaders? Well, I think that, um, I think we knew it was time, but uh, I think the calls this is such a diverse region, and, and we knew uh, that we were not doing what we should do for all students. Uh, and that became a, um, in a sense, that became, we're not, we're not moving to the next level. Uh, and for, you know, I tend to look at things uh, in the bigger picture. Uh, economic development in this region, uh, the number of our citizens that have some type of post-secondary Credential. If you begin, and I was going to mention this earlier, data are so critical. And data will tell you very quickly, well, you may be raising this graduation rate for this group, 
but the graduation or retention rate to this group uh, is not what it should be. And so we began, those numbers began to really provide a wake-up call. And that's when we said, we have got to go and do the equity walk. We have got to make what we do help everyone. Uh, and, and for the survival of the region, for uh, just the uh, uh, quality of life for our citizens in this region. Uh, and we looked at the number of people with post-secondary credentials and Tom, you know how horrifying that was for us. So starting on that and then quickly moving uh, over time to really embracing the equity agenda uh, was just a natural progression because of what our overall goal was. And so we now have, and we are using uh, equity measures. We're reporting those. That's where the technology is so important uh, and data sharing, uh, which was one of our main pieces of our component parts of Houston GPS right. is the technology solution. And frankly, that's where EAB has been just incredible with the uh, uh, student uh, success collaborative. We can't do this without it. Uh, but we have now uh, embraced and we're moving forward with working uh, with USC's uh, Equity Center yep. on uh, doing a camp, camp. We're all going to be doing campus audits. We are looking, we've been looking at those data. We've already started seeing some numbers increase, but we've got to do more. So we're doing policy audits, all those things that really begin to address your, your policies, your structure, uh, the, the idea that you need to take a deep dive to make sure that there's nothing inhibiting all of your students from being successful. And I, I see a growing commitment among the faculty as we work on this. Yeah, uh, I see uh, a commitment uh, and I see a, an embracing of what we ca we're calling our equity walk agenda, our moonshot um, with um, uh, EAB as all connected together with the difference that we're trying to make in the Houston region. That's so it was a natural progression for us, but one for which we're very committed well, to. You know, I like to say that it doesn't matter, you know, which road you travel, if you're inspired by concerns about workforce and economic development, if you're inspired by social justice, if you are simply made aware of the demographic changes of the country and, and are concerned about maintaining enrollment at your institution at the levels you want, all roads lead to equity. And that's all there is to it. And I love that because there's this sort of you know, this, this moment where all of these synergistic uh, motivations can come together. And that's going to be what's required in a moment like this to achieve our moonshot before the decade is up. And so I'm so, so, so proud and pleased that you're a part of it. And, and thank you again for your willingness to lead. Isn't it ironic that uh, Houston, of course, uh, famous in space lore, um, is a leader in the moonshot. The other thing I wanted to mention, Paula, is it doesn't surprise me at all, but it's just one more example of how you and Tim think so much alike. When I was having a similar conversation with Tim, he pointed out, Tom, it isn't just technology, it's data and technology working together, just like you said, Paula. So right, thank you for that. I thank you for that. Well, I wanted to share real quickly with our listeners and with you just a, a quick update on and sort of where the moonshot equity is progressing around the country. And, and uh, I, it's an exciting moment for listeners who might be interested in learning more about how you can receive Paula's assistance and Tim Rennick's assistance firsthand as part of a moonshot for equity, where we're looking for seven regions around the country to become the next Houston GPSs or uh, Georgia State Atlantas. 
Denver, Los Angeles, Eastern Oregon, Southern Oregon, New Jersey, South Dakota, Kentucky, Virginia, Western Michigan, Charleston, Boston, Las Vegas, Paula, all of them are looking at very seriously a moonshot for equity in their regions. And so we've got lots of wonderful opportunities to find our next six. That's exciting, Tom. That really is truly exciting. And what an impact that will be. That well, will, I want, it'll be I an want, honor to work with this. So. Thank, thank you, Paula. And, and you know, I hold up your example every day uh, when I challenge regions to uh, follow your lead. And, and that's also, I think, an important point about leadership. You know, you, you, you began with a coalition of the willing in Houston and you did the work. And as you said, it, it, people felt called to join you. They, they eventually said, you know, we've heard about this wonderful thing and we want to be a part of it. And so your ecosystem has grown over time, just as I know this will be the case in all of these new ecosystems around the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, give some final advice, Paul, if you don't mind to, you know, leaders, your fellow leaders, you know, the, the journey you've You've walked in your own life, your own personal inspirations. We know how you feel about students, but still you're unique, especially, you know, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago, to be among the first with these very, very strong commitments to, uh, to think even more boldly and broadly than your own institution, to set aside your individual institution's personal interests, uh, uh, institutional interests, and think more broadly. What are all those key motivations that you call upon to do it? And what would be your advice of, of for similar leaders who are thinking about taking a giant leap like you did? Well, I think um, that they, they need to understand that people are looking to them and the way that they embrace the, the narrative that they creates, the the language that they create around this, they will know if it's sincere or if it's not. And I urge you uh, to remember that because I think that uh, people, people see that and they're drawn to people that they believe have a passion, but they're sincere, but also can help provide a roadmap. I think often people don't take action or see how in the world will overcome the fact that you're in this system and we're in this system and you're this and you're that without someone who can help define the steps or help to help define the way forward. I think that that often stymies uh, partners, that often stymies large change initiatives, initiatives mm -hmm. that they don't see uh, a way forward. And that can be simple at first, mm -hmm. just a way people can say, okay, I can get on board uh, mm -hmm. with that. I see the role I play. And the other is acknowledge what people have already done mm -hmm. and, and give them a voice in helping to, to move it forward. Don't, uh, uh, how, don't don't lead to the, lead to the belief that everybody's doing it wrong and you've come to give them the right answer uh, because it's amazing how you can engage people and that's what you want engagement they have to be engaged to build ownership so I think things leaders do that create that that um, invite people that say we we honor what <clears throat> what you know and share what you know give them an opportunity but then you move forward with uh, the, the shared decision-making about what you will do as an entity. I think all of those things, some of those were lessons learned, uh, but also uh, as a leader, uh, you know, read Cotter's work on change, no change management, understand that. Uh, uh, that was very helpful to me with in the background that I have to be able to bring that to the process. And, and, and um, understand that those of us that may 
be working with you, we'll learn from you. So never hesitate to show what you know. And if you have a new idea, a new way of doing it, that's the way we grow and change and really become flexible uh, in this change process. So thank you. Well, you that, Tom would be what I would say at yeah. this point. Well, thank you, Colin. You you always bring your whole self to everything you do. And, and you know, when I hear your strong advocacy for students, I'm reminded that you began your work in a K-12 classroom. Uh, and, and so you came up through every aspect of, of education, always driven by your heart uh, and that and brilliant mind of yours to accomplish so much. But I would say one final thing about my dear friend, Paula Short. You were, um, you've always been among people who chose to lead. You, you saw a problem and you didn't wait for others to take the first step. In my conversations from coast to coast about the Moonshot for Equity, I'm discovering Paula Shorts in lots of places. And it's my, the favorite part of my job, Paula, because, because they're, 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 they're just standing there right on the edge. And, and the Moonshot gives them a design and an aspirational goal. And they often say, Tom, this is the thing we've been looking for. We, and especially in this moment when we're also focused on equity, it slides right in and it gives us the design and the intentionality we're looking for to take the leap we want to take. I'm ready. I'm going to be that leader. And, and that was exactly how Houston GPS unfolded, but it all began, Paula, with your willingness to say, I will be that leader. Higher education has a unique role here. And so my dear friend, thank you so much for what you do every day for Houston, your institution, your region, and for now the country through the Moonshot for Equity. Thank you, Tom. Again, I'm honored to be a part of this. This is exciting. Well, for those who want to know more about the Moonshot for Equity and Paula's work, I invite you to go to eab.com slash moonshot and do reach out to us if you're interested in forming an ecosystem in your own region. This is the next wave of change in higher education, and we look forward to talking to you about it. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Join us next week when EAB's Madeline Rainier talks to journalist John Marcus. You've probably read John's work in the Washington Post, USA Today, Time Magazine, or more recently in the Heckinger Report. The two will talk about a subject near and dear to all of us, how to reverse enrollment declines. Until next week, thank you for joining us on Office Hours with EAB.